What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod, a Capitol Hill grilling. We commit to keep TikTok free, you know, a free place for freedom of expression without any manipulation by any government. Your platform should be banned. TikTok's CEO under fire and the politics at play. Stanford tech advisor Jacob Helberg. Sometimes hearings turn into public trials, and I think what you saw yesterday wasn't just a public trial of TikTok, but it was really a public trial of Chinese technologies in the U.S. And Apple. CEO Tim Cook is headed to China. A big trip with a lot at stake. CNBC's Steve Kovac. So they're already blocking plenty of apps in China. Now they're mad at us for potentially doing it too. Plus, you guessed it, more on the banking crisis, stress on the European banks as investors rush to mitigate risk. They're all there. Pick your country. Yeah. Society Generale, Banco Bilbao, BNP Paribas, Deutsche Bank. It's March 24th, 2023. I don't even know the date. It doesn't matter. It's a Friday. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one. Cue it, please. Good morning. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is off today. Let's take a look at the U.S. equity futures. Now, I'm going to make four commitments to this committee today, and all I'll use this in this country. Number one, we're going to prioritize safety, particularly for teenagers, and we're going to keep it a top priority for us. Second, we're going to firewall off protected U.S. data from any unwanted foreign access. Three, we commit to keep TikTok free, you know, a free place for freedom of expression without any manipulation by any government. And fourth, we are committing to transparency and we're committing to third-party monitoring. We'll give them access to keep us accountable for our commitments that we're making. Well, thank you very much. I'll see you inside. The committee will come to order. Mr. Chu, you are here because the American people need the truth about the, th the threat TikTok poses to our national and personal security. We do not trust TikTok will ever embrace American values. Prior to today's hearing, did anyone affiliated with the Chinese Communist Party discuss this hearing with you or anyone else on TikTok senior management? Congressman, since I've been CEO of this company, I've not had any discussions with Chinese government officials. Please to yield to the gentleman from Ohio, Mr. Latta, for five minutes. Well, thank you, Madam Chair. Yes or no? Do any ByteDance employees in China, including engineers, currently have access to user, U.S. user data? Today, all um, U.S. user data is stored by default in the Oracle Cloud infrastructure, question, and access question, to that is controlled is, do any by American ByteDance personnel. ByteDance employees in China, including engineers, currently have access to U.S. data? Uh, Congressman, uh, I would appreciate this. This is a complex uh, topic. Today, all data yes, is stored yes by no. default. No, it's not that complex. Yes or no, do they have access to user data? 
we have, after project taxes is the an, done, the answer is no. Today, there is still yeah, some so data that we need yes, to delete. But, but Your platform should be banned. TikTok CEO uh, was grilled on Capitol Hill yesterday. It looked like, I don't know, I felt kind of bad for the guy. He seems like a nice guy, but I, I, I'm, I'm easily... Um, you know, you looked you, into him that you saw his soul in his I, eyes. He just seemed like an, you know, an earnest young man trying to. It, but uh, some of the stuff that that and they were loaded for bear. They some, were they, well. This the, was this was kind of set up in advance. They already said they weren't. They, they didn't had believe video before they showed up. We had machine guns. Senator you know. Warner on our set was yeah. saying he didn't believe him before he even set foot in the place. Yeah. Well, I've met with the uh, TikTok leadership. Uh, they will make you know great promises that. Uh, none of the data that they collect from literally 150 million Americans uh, that are on TikTok an average of 90 minutes a day would ever end up in China. Yet you, we've seen report after report uh, where that data is ending up. Um, we've seen reports of whistleblowers talking about the data. We've heard uh, absolutely journalists being monitored uh, by TikTok. And that's just on the data collection piece. By the way, he's a CEO that reports back to a, a, a Chinese company. Yeah. And all the way back to 2017, Chinese companies' first priority is going to be, they've made it, codified it into law, your first priority is to provide any information that the Chinese Communist Party wants. CCP. Mm -hmm. Yeah, CCP. This is, uh, and I guess the question is, why are we still looking at it this many years later and kind of wondering what the end game is? I still hear a, a, a large contingent saying, you just don't block, you know, you have to think long and hard about whether you really shut it down, whether you would really do that. At this point, it may be too late anyway. There are 150 million exactly. Americans who have accounts. So it's not like it's going to be ripped off of your iPhone if you've already downloaded it. You may not be able to download a new app, but there are also workarounds if you're tech savvy um, to try and pretend like your IP is coming from another country so you could do it from there. Yeah. Joining us now is Jacob Helberg, Senior Advisor at the Stanford University Center of Geopolitics uh, and Technology and an Adjunct uh, Fellow at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. What, good, good to have you on set. Uh, Thanks for having me. You are welcome. Um, good day for privacy advocates. Bad day for TikTok. That's the bottom line here. Uh, it was a great day for privacy advocates and an unmitigated disaster for TikTok yesterday. And the final solution that's a horrible term but what what finally what, what do we finally do to, to figure this out you know sometimes hearings turn into public trials and I think what you saw yesterday wasn't just a public trial of TikTok, but it was really a public trial of Chinese technologies in the US this is a conversation that the country started to a certain extent when we were having a debate about Huawei and ZTE the outcome was that we banned those technologies. Ultimately, TikTok's popularity in the United States really complicated the public discussion around how the government should handle this type of technology in the US. But what you saw yesterday was overwhelmingly concerns around TikTok were not addressed. And so you're seeing bills in the House and in the Senate actively under work. And I think the, that debate is going to move forward. In, India, ban India banned them, what, in 2020? That's right. right. Totally. Completely. And 400 other uh, apps in China. Is that what we're going to finally have to come up with here? Or we're, we're, 
hesitant to do that, although India seems to be doing fine. Do people still dance and learn how to? What are they missing by not having TikTok? India, I don't think I've, I have never had it. I'm not missing anything. India is growing at nine percent, so you know they're they're doing great. Um, you're right. India banned over 400 Chinese software applications, and the sky didn't fall. And the world kept turning and they're doing just fine. But isn't it a different story here because you already have 150 million Americans who are on TikTok? It, it, it almost feels like it's too late to come back and do anything about it because even if you ban it, it doesn't mean you're going to go rip it off every person's cell phone. Well, Apple and Android actually have the ability to block applications in instances when they find that an app might ha contain malware. Mm -hmm. So they have internal tools to block a user's access to certain apps. And so if they were legally required to do so, I believe that they would have the oh, ability to do so. That's interesting. So they yeah. could wipe it off of your phone. They could wipe it off your phone. Now, you know, obviously a lot of these things are under the hood mechanics about how operating systems work. I don't know if the app would disappear from your home screen or if you just wouldn't be able to open the app. But I do know that technology companies have tools internally to handle malware that they would be able to leverage in this instance. So is TikTok just this, this great uh, growing uh, it, it entity for a Chinese, it might be a Chinese company, uh, or is it a Trojan horse? What, what is the real, per, or is it both? Is it, is it, is the CP, CCP really, does it like having this because of all the data it can collect to eventually rule the world? Or is it just a really good uh, money maker for, for ByteDance? Well, funny enough, yesterday what you saw was the number one mission of the TikTok CEO had was to distance himself from the CCP. And ironically, the very same day, the CCP came out saying that they would actually oppose a sale and that they would have to approve a sale to an American buyer. So completely undermining the CEO's testimony. And I think that showed how much they actually care about this app. Um, ultimately, the app just doesn't just collect data from a users on the app, but it actually collects data from users on your phone, which is a whole other level of invasiveness. Like all of your contacts, any phone calls you might make. Exactly. Information along those lines. Exactly. So do they want it for data collection purposes? And, and look, they pointed out in the hearing that you, you may say you're not collecting this, but we have examples where journalists and others have had information that's been collected. It's just playing out on a much broader scale now. This is China versus the U.S. Absolutely. And just imagine what it would do to a country's national sovereignty and political independence if uh, the CCP had access to data from a presidential candidate's children. Uh, you know, you have a presidential candidate running for office. His kids are on TikTok or her kids are on TikTok. And all of a sudden, the CCP can get access to Compromat. Imagine that scenario in instances where you have journalists, you know, which we've already experienced in the U.S., or judges. It is incredibly corrosive to the political independence and sovereignty of any country. And ultimately, one of the big questions that was up for debate yesterday was, is TikTok too big to ban? And I think ultimately, members of the House uh, overwhelmingly said that it's not. Well, China having a lot of info about a president's Child, I can't imagine uh, that, that that's too strange. Could never, could ne that could never happen. Um, no, I'm not, not going there. But um, it, so, the, does the CCP like that this is a very successful company and they have a, the, 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 a stake in it, or do they like what it allows them to do in terms of of spying? I mean, do do we know for sure that's why this is so important? Is this part of the 
the balloon gate? Is it part of the, you know, building islands, part of buying farmland near our, uh, uh, you know, weapons facilities? Is it, is it really that scary? That sounds almost tin hat, tinfoil hat like, or is it really that scary? For the CCP, all roads lead back to power. You saw that um, when it comes to software application companies, for them, lifestyle software application companies are actually a lot less important from a strategic standpoint than hard sciences. We see them prioritizing things like semiconductors and space technology. They, they did a massive crackdown on a lot of their software technology companies uh, early on in the pandemic. But TikTok has the unique ability to, to serve as an intelligence tool for the CCP, and that's why it's so strategic for the party. God, something for everybody. Uh, it could be both, couldn't it? That's right. Uh, once again, what, how, does, how does this end? Uh, so some type of legislation where the executive branch can individually pick different Chinese companies or, or a blanket? So band. right now you're seeing a big negotiation take place between Congress and the White House. You have a bill in the House, a bill in the Senate. The question is, do we ban all Chinese technology in the U.S.? Do we have a, uh, more of a scalp approach where we ban, we allow the executive branch to ban individual companies on a case-by-case -case basis? Bill, right? and yep. Exactly. Yep. And ultimately, you're seeing these negotiations play out in real time. And, you know, I initially went into the hearing yesterday expecting uh, this to lead to a divestment. But given how disastrous the hearing was, I think it's reasonable to expect a potential outright ban. Wow. All right, Jacob, thank you. Thanks for having oh, me. All right, welcome. Cheese will be next. Coming up on Squawk Pod. So what's the problem with Deutsche Bank? Is there a problem? Do we know there's a problem? CDS, AT1s, COCOs, and central banks on high alert. Around the world in rate hikes and more with banking expert and former Fed official Dino Coase. How many rate hikes have we had this week? I mean, I've lost count. A lot. This is in the middle of a banking crisis. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones, from powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. Fears of banking contagion are spreading overseas. Deutsche Bank stock has lost more than $3 billion so far this month, a fifth of its value wiped out, and this led the rest of the European banks lower today. BNP Paribas, Barclays, UBS, and others all fell at least 6% on Friday. The first domino was Credit Suisse and its emergency rescue last weekend, courtesy of Swiss rival UBS. In the terms of that deal, Credit Suisse's additional Tier 1 bonds, called AT1s or COCOs, short for Contingent Convertibles, were wiped to zero. Shareholders at Credit Suisse did slightly better than bondholders, getting one UBS share for every 22 and a half they held. 
Deutsche Bank's AT1s also sold off this week, which made the insurance for bondholders, known as credit default swaps, shoot up across every European bank. Investors worried about the stability of banks, they're unwilling to take on any more risk going into this weekend. Stateside, our central bank hiked rates by another quarter point this week, acknowledging the regional banking crisis here, but forging ahead with its inflation fight and leaving the door open to take the foot off the accelerator on rate hikes, maybe soon. So at the moment, the Federal Reserve's attention is split between cooling inflation and stabilizing the banks. U.S. banks borrowed a record amount from the Fed's discount window over the last week. Banks borrowed an average of $117 billion per night from the Fed, up from $32 billion the week before, and here's a number for you, up from $112 billion during the financial crisis in 2008. It's part of a government safety net The Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said yesterday is still there, is still working. The government is prepared to back up regional banks, like it did with the recent collapse of Silicon Valley and signature banks. But that is slightly different from just the day before, when Yellen was asked by a senator if Treasury would guarantee all bank deposits. And she said no. This is the secretary yesterday before a House subcommittee. We have used important tools to act quickly to prevent contagion, and they are tools we could use again. The strong actions we have taken ensure that Americans' deposits are safe. Certainly, we would be prepared to take additional actions if warranted. Now, here's Becky Quick and Joe Kernan breaking it all down. Don't you think, I don't know how players approach these things, but I think they start probing, like, you know, and they, they check something, no, that's okay, and they, they drop anything here. Oh, just is it, we, to see if there's yeah. signs of things well, breaking around. Credit default swaps for this bank, Deutsche yeah. Bank. Yeah. Um, and you know, the capital ratios in Europe, we've been told, are much better than they are here. So what's the problem with Deutsche Bank? Uh, is there so. a problem? Do we know there's a problem? If, I, don't, if, I, I think the banks here are in better shape than in Europe. Not in terms of capital ratio. Uh, well, they're all, they're much higher. Over, but I don't, you know, who knows? At this point, though, that's what's happening, and the reason is because of these credit default swaps, and you know what that is. Uh, this is after a jump in those CDSs last night on renewed concerns about the stability of European banks. Credit default swaps, obviously a form of insurance uh, for companies' bondholders against its default. Other European banks are also tumbling uh, on, this, uh, on this news, and it looks like this, whatever you, you thought happened with Credit Suisse and UBS, uh, there's still at least some angst and some uh, some anxiety. Can we go back to the credit default swaps for a one-week basis? Yeah, here you see down one and a half to two two plus percent across the board. It looks like the credit default swaps only came back to where they were on Tuesday. It looks like they were even higher Monday night into Tuesday. So, right. it, you know, that sense of calm was broken somehow, and they came back. Um, I just think people. I don't know whether, usually if there's some smoke, there's fire. But a lot of times, people that do this for a living are, are really looking around for something. And they, it, it's not self-fulfilling, but they can, they can start beating the bushes for what's going to be next and want to be there first, whether there's really a problem or not at Deutsche Bank. Particularly when it comes to banks, because right. banks are Because you can, right. If, if, you can, if you can create a, a problem with the confidence and create a run on the bank, that's when 
you know, things happen more quickly. And we've seen in the past, you can almost do it with the currency in terms of, and we saw George Soros, remember when they made so much money, one of his greatest uh, uh, trades was a currency uh, trade. Or shorting. Yeah, where you could tell that there was, if you were to get it started, it, it almost starts snowballing, and then the psychology kicks in, and then it, then it becomes somewhat self-fulfilling. I think he would say that it wouldn't work if you didn't have the initial. Well, it, it probably both counts are right. Right. You know, it, it wouldn't happen if you didn't have some problems under the hood yeah. to begin with. Um, but that's always the concern. But, that's why said, regulators have, or, or the Fed or Janet Yellen walking things back again yesterday saying, yeah, you know, if there are problems, we will step I in. I knew and I do was more. right about this. And about not, what? About you can't, you can't say, you can't do oh. that implicit. Guarantee for SVB and say, yeah, all the all the depositors are, because then you're going. Everybody's going to assume the next one that they're going to do it, no. and that means everybody's covered. But everybody's not covered because you couldn't possibly cover everybody. So you can't. It's just a slippery slope that you go down. I think that was. A, I don't know how you walk that back, but uh, well, she tried to yesterday yeah, to some extent, and that didn't help. But I didn't think Deutsche Bank was similar to Credit Suisse. There are other people who were saying they couldn't believe that. That Credit Suisse was before Deutsche Bank. I saw that earlier. Uh, you did? Yeah, I saw that earlier. But it's, again, this is like people who may have bets placed on the opposite side of things, who may be rooting for it at this point or putting their money there. They're all there. Take, pick your country. Yeah. yeah. Societe Generale, Banco Bilbao, BNP Paribas, Deutsche Bank. Uh, Deutsche Bank, clearly the worst performer, at least at this moment. It's down by about 13%. So, so now what are we in? Or import this back here, or we're still. Well, they, at least it's just. They've region. been accusing us of exporting it there, which right. has not been the case. Well. Let's talk more about the banking turmoil and how regulators are watching this situation uh, from Europe, uh, from Washington to Europe. Joining us is Dino Coast, former executive at the New York Federal Reserve, current special advisor uh, to the CEO at CLS Bank International. Dino, I've had people uh, texting me that the European banks never found religion after the, the financial crisis to the same extent that American banks did. Yeah, I think to some degree that's true because uh, in the U.S., right, we were the epicenter of the crisis, and so the U.S. regulators, you know, sort of, sort of, you know, did as much as they could to correct, you know, the perceived problems that led to the crisis. I think in, the, in Europe they sort of said, well, th this was a U.S. crisis. Our banks weren't really... You know, we were kind of on the sidelines of that, so we don't need to do as much. That was kind of like the view that you, you, you know, that I heard in speaking to policymakers in Europe at the time, and so I think that's probably we're now seeing you know some of the the results of that. Unfortunately, what didn't they do, and and why did, if you look on paper at capital ratios, why do they look better in Europe? Versus well, we're I just trying you, to, to you, drill down on yeah, that. Yeah, you were mentioning some of this before about just how the calculations are done and sort of the the uh, the robustness of the uh, uh, of the accounting standards. The, uh, there are some differences, uh, you know. But I mean, but but in this case, I mean, there's a lot of other things going on. If I could just tick off a couple of Please. them. So, so this this decision to wipe out the bondholders of these so-called AT1 bonds in. Uh, of Credit Suisse, that's something that's going to be felt because, you're, you, in fact, this CDS blowout that you're seeing probably is a contagion from this decision that now the investors that own these kinds of bonds for other banks are saying, okay, well, you know, do I have, is my bond at risk and do I, is it priced correctly? 
So, you know, how do you hedge some of these things? You hedge it by selling CDS spreads. So that's kind of one issue. Another issue that's is right. I didn't even think of the hedging aspect. Yeah, yeah. You know, another issue is just that you know how many how many rate hikes have we had this week? I mean, I've lost count. A lot. You know, yeah. this is in the middle of a banking crisis. You know, in U.S. and Europe, and you know, we've got now. You understand why the central banks are doing this because they're focused on inflation. But it's coming, you know, the news cycle is kind of odd that you're seeing both these banking stresses and you're seeing, uh, uh, you're seeing these interest rate increases. The third thing I want to mention is what's happened to the Fed's discount window. The borrowing has been enormous the last two weeks. It's a, I mean, it's huge, about $150 billion or thereabouts, maybe a little bit more. That should not be happening because there's a lot of reserves in the system. The fact that it's, they're not reaching every all the banks is because they're being hoarded. Now, if reserves are being hoarded, that also tells you that the banks are not lending very much. So this is going to seep through to, into the economy over coming weeks so and months. So if Jay Powell says that the credit crunch could be as much as a 50 basis point hike, what would you put it at? I mean, look, it's hard to know. Is it 50? Is it 75? Is it, you know, who, who knows? But the thing is, it is a positive amount. Right. And the, the Fed's decision to go 25 is just kind of piling on to whatever it was. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, we're probably going to have a slowdown. It's in the pipeline now. And, uh, you know, so this, you know, the, the government bond yields that you were just talking about is a reflection of that. The market's looking ahead. They're saying we are going to have a slowdown. It's going to be meaningful in, in uh, the next couple of quarters. And, uh, you know, the Fed's going to have to react. Now, is it, is it going to react in three months, six months? You know, it's, it's hard to know. But, you know, that is what we're looking for. I mean, it seems like one mistake can, can lead into another mistake. So they're, they're still stung from the transitory incident. Yes. We still, we've mentioned, a couple people mentioned the Trichet, uh, you know, being very proud of his quarter point rise only a month later to have to really, you know, almost with his tail between his legs to come back to cut. Is that, is that going to happen? The Fed was so, wanted to be so firm in its resolve to fight inflation that they really were sort of whistling past the graveyard when, um, when this was? I mean, I mean the Trichet um, episode was a little, was, was egregious. I don't want to compare it to that. that uh, really but it could, it, is it possible it comes to that uh, and we look back at this historically and say, oh my God, they should have never raised that last 25 basis I mean, points? Ho hopefully to the point you were making before, hopefully that doesn't happen because that would mean that the next few weeks and months would be really Right, difficult. I don't want to see what... what and, and none of us want to see that. So hopefully it won't come to that. Uh, but you can't rule it out. And, uh, you know, certainly before the end of the year, there's a very good probability we're going to have lower rates. How big of a problem if the European banks are truly in much worse shape than the American uh, banks? How big of a problem do we have, though, just from a global contagion standard st standpoint? What, what kind of talks are they going to be having this weekend to try and shore things up? What can they do? Uh, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, you know, what can they do? They can send soothing messages. I mean, you know, they're not going to be. They're like, not going to worry. Be, we're not going to zero out any more AT1 bonds. That would be one, and you saw that happening Monday because after the Swiss decision, a number of European countries basically sort of reacted very quickly and basically said, "No, this is not the way we would do it." But in a way, the fact that it was done and the fact that then the investors went back to read the fine print of these contracts, which they had not done before, you know, and they sort of said, "Oh." Actually, the, the Swiss were within their rights, even if, you, you know, but in those, many ways... Those bonds was, were a little different than most of the other yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, 
People went back, they read them, they said, okay, what do we do? Do we want to hold on to these? Do we want to sell them? Do we want to hedge them? Uh, and, you know, when, when this process begins, unfortunately, you know, that sort of psychological you know, contagion uh, takes over. Do we let bankers always talk us into not just raising capital requirements to the level they need to be raised? Is that, I mean, Dodd-Frank, it's like, it reminds me, I keep using Rube Goldberg. It reminds me of something like all these different facets to try to fix something. When all you really need, if you just said capital needs to be here in Europe and here and no games, no, yeah. you need to see where it is and it needs to be a fortress balance sheet. Wouldn't that solve everything? Would, would there net, no one would ever loan again? Is that the problem? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I wish that were the case. Unfortunately, capital requirements and, and the results did go up here and there. They went up by a lot. Okay, but it, but think about but not enough there were higher capital standards stricter liquidity standards there was something called recovery and resolution plans or living right. wills to right. resolve there were there was ring fencing in, right. in a number and of, here we are and none of it worked yeah, when, you, when you really needed it in the first in the first serious case since the crisis it didn't work so there's going to have to be a, you know, some self reflection and going back to the isn't it just board. capital it it's, it's, it's more than that. It's it is? What, what else it's should gonna, it be then? It's, it's going to have to be more than that. And now we're kind of bringing in deposit insurance in a much more active way because, you know, there, there is a big role that deposit insurance and perceptions of deposit insurance is playing. So more to come. I guess we probably shouldn't stay at zero for 10 years. And I guess we probably shouldn't spend trillions of dollars fiscally every, every the year. The notion that you could be at zero for 15 years and have no consequences um, is one that is now, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of seeing the outcome with that. Okay. Thanks. Thank, Thank you. you. Next on Squawk Pod, Apple CEO Tim Cook making his first trip to China since before the COVID-19 pandemic. What's at stake on this trip with CNBC's tech correspondent Steve Kovac? It would be horrible for Apple if China had some kind of retribution for what our government may or may not be doing to TikTok. That would devastate their business, not just in China specifically, but also the manufacturing, so around the world. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magirite is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva! You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Here's Becky Quick. Up and Becky, Q. American CEOs are traveling to China this weekend for the China Development Forum. Among those expected to, to, to attend is Apple CEO Tim Cook. The trip comes as relations between Washington and Beijing remain turbulent. Joining us right now to talk more about all things Apple is CNBC technology correspondent Steve Kovac. And Steve, this is a, a place they haven't had to go for several years because of COVID. This is the first time coming back through. Yeah, and it's a business forum hosted by China. And again, we saw yesterday how our government feels about Chinese and Chinese tech. But look, Apple does a massive amount of business, something between you know up to 15% of their business some quarters can be hinged to China. Their manufacturing is still there in a very large way. And so, you know, despite the optics, Cook has to show up to this thing. By the way, Apple is not confirming yes or no whether he's going to be there, but he's going to be there probably. Well, yeah, that would be a huge insult to the Chinese if he didn't come. Right. But do you 
risk either irritating American authorities by going or may, maybe more likely if they feel like some payback for what the TikTok CEO just went through? It could be. Well, look, it, it would be horrible for Apple if China had some kind of retribution for what our government may or may not be doing to TikTok. That would devastate their business, not just in China specifically, but also the manufacturing, so around the world, if they but can't it means make jobs the phones in there. China. And it means jobs in China, tens and tens and tens of thousands, especially during the holiday season, they scale up in a massive, massive way. So they're kind of codependent on each other. Now we are seeing Apple make moves to be less dependent after what we saw last fall in China uh, with those COVID shutdowns that really hurt the iPhone business. So they're looking at India, they're looking at Vietnam, they're looking at Malaysia to kind of alleviate the pressure. It won't totally kill the pressure or no, the release supply, it all. No, to, to vary the supply chain. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's why we're seeing so much movement and activity in India. They just appointed a new head of sales in India. So they're seeing it not just on the manufacturing side, they're seeing it on the consumer side there. That's where they see the next growth opportunity, really. But China is still really, really important today. That that's why he's there. I, I hadn't thought of it that way. That gives China a lot of leverage in terms of what happened yesterday. Oh, uh, absolutely. What, and I was trying but to they already block. You've got to keep in mind, Joe, China already blocks plenty of American websites and services. You right. can't type in NewYorkTimes.com and it's symbiotic. It's symbiotic with Apple for sure. But oh, 100%. I was trying to do 15% of what are you talking revenue? I mean, yeah, yeah. What, that's, that's a number that's probably in the S&P 500. Up to 15. You know, yeah, but in the yeah. S&P 500, that probably how many S&P yeah, yeah, 500 yeah, exactly. companies? They would love just the China just, business. Just that yeah. China business. Right. And especially China, not just selling phones, but it's the games, it's the app store, which has its own challenges in China because of the regulatory authorities there. For example, you can't download a VPN app from the Apple app store because of China's laws. So they're already blocking plenty of apps in China. Now they're mad at us for potentially doing it too. So 117.1 billion dollars was Apple's yeah. revenue in the most recent. And they break it and they break it down by in the, China, you know, Greater China too. In the quarter. In the quarter. That, that's the holiday quarter. They, you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. Yeah. Yeah. And and that was a weak quarter for them because of the the iPhone problems and production problems last quarter too. Well, yeah, it was down from 123.9 right. billion. Down five percent. In the year earlier. Well, we better think long and hard about how we, you know, there's a lot of. Uh, because we got pretty strident yesterday, what we heard. I didn't, I didn't it, it know. Was, it was very telling, I think, when Chu, uh, the CEO of TikTok, I forget who it was, said, you know, do you think they're uh, damaging the Uyghur population? He wouldn't even answer that. Yeah. And that says a lot about how much, how scared he is. Well, he's in of, a ridiculous position. Yeah. Of reporting back to a Chinese company, a Chinese-owned company, that then in turn has to report to the CCP. Yeah, exactly. But. Tim Cook would not be the only executive here who would have a fine line to walk. No. Companies like Tesla, of Nike, of Starbucks. I mean, just to run through some of the big ones. And look what happened when Musk criticized China a couple, you know, a month or two ago. You know, th then we saw some finger wagging in state media about that, and you know, to kind of scare him off of criticizing China. And 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 speaking of criticizing China, first of all, Tim Cook's not the only Amer American or Western CEO going. The Pfizer CEO and a bunch of others are going to be here too. But speaking of criticizing China, when we saw those protests mm -hmm. last fall at Foxconn, where the iPhones are made, you know, we heard you know, from Apple, they said, we're looking at the situation, we're monitoring the situation. No criticism of the violence, no criticism of the Chinese government. And the protests in. were from workers who had been told they were going to get paid extra bonuses, for coming yeah, in, big bonuses for happened. working through COVID. They got locked in them and, and said they didn't get the bonus. And we saw horrible images coming yeah. out of that of security forces, presumably sent by the government. Yeah. You know, 
and, and just silence Keeping on Keeping people the there result. against their will. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and we saw horrible images also of them, who, those who did escape, just walking down the highway. Like, my, you know, it was, it was really sad to see that. And so there is a human toll that's going on there too. And that's, you know, it's just really hard for someone like Tim Cook or the Apple as a whole to toe that line, for sure. It, it's so nuanced and, and you yeah, really it's not perfect it's not it's perfect. like dealing with Saudi Arabia I mean there's just no way if you were an absolutist you have to you make can't two. win no no and I mean we see this all the time and companies have to speak out you know Netflix you know blocking certain shows from being shown in Saudi Arabia yeah. and you know they get criticized for maybe compromising on their lofty Silicon Valley values but that's that's the cost of doing business. With a lot these. of crappy shows on Netflix that I wish they'd block here, but they but but they didn't. But the um, new season of Love Is Blind just came out today. Well, is that should I? I don't know. It's the only good reality show. Oh, it's a reality show. Yeah, it's the only one I watch. You, really? You'd like it. All right, we'll yeah. check it out. Thank you. You've seen it? You I know have not. It's amazing. Better than the Bachelor? Oh yeah. And that's Squawk Pod for today and for the week. Thanks for sticking with us and thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. Follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And let us know what you think. Our Twitter handle is at Squawk CNBC. We'll meet you back here on Monday. Have a great weekend. And we are clear. Thanks, guys. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 